Our reading this morning is from Matthew chapter 14, verses 1 to 23. When Herod Antipas, the ruler of Galilee, heard about Jesus, he said to his advisers, This must be John the Baptist raised from the dead. That is why he can do such miracles. For Herod had arrested and imprisoned John as a favour to his wife Herodias, the former wife of Herod's brother Philip. John had been telling Herod, It is against God's law for you to marry her. Herod wanted to kill John, but he was afraid of a riot because all the people believed John was a prophet. But at a birthday party for Herod, Herodias' daughter performed a dance that greatly pleased him. So he promised with a vow to give her anything she wanted. At her mother's urging, the girl said, I want the head of John the Baptist on a tray. Then the king regretted what he had said. But because of the vow he had made in front of his guests, he issued the necessary orders. So John was beheaded in prison, and his head was brought on a tray and given to the girl who took it to her mother. Later, John's disciples came for his body and buried it. Then they went and told Jesus what had happened. As soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. But the crowds heard where he was headed and followed on foot from many towns. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. That evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, That isn't necessary. You feed them. But we only have five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here, he said. Then he told the people to sit down on the grass. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up toward heaven and blessed them. Then, breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to the disciples who distributed it to the people. They all ate as much as they wanted, and afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. About 5,000 men were fed that day, in addition to all the women and children. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake, while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Thank you, Meryl. This St Andrews is God's word. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, as we come to your word this morning, we ask that indeed that you would speak, you would enliven the message. We have people uh, tuning in on uh, uh, perhaps from 
all different, our church from all different holiday campgrounds around the place, perhaps sitting on a camp chair right now with their device uh, tuning on in, as well as people from around uh, the, the country and overseas here this morning in different situations, different circumstances. But Lord, this is your word, and we are the body of Christ, and we ask that you would come and speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, if you are uh, just wanting a little update on where Catherine's at and a, a prayer request, I'll just put in before I get to the message. Catherine is doing okay. Uh, she's still soldiering on. For those that are visiting, my lovely wife Catherine's got terminal cancer. Uh, if you're wanting to pray for something, um, we have, uh, she, you know, her health's variable. Uh, my t- our 25th wedding anniversary is in about a week, two weeks' time. So pray that we make it to that 25th wedding anniversary. That's a good achievement. And also, we have been very blessed to have um, some friends offer us some a luxury of holiday accommodation and our kids. And our kids are very much looking forward to going into Cromwell and Wanaka. So pray that Catherine would be in really good health for that, would be uh, really, really good for that, and be able to see in her 20, our 25th wedding anniversary uh, and also a family holiday if you're looking for something to pray for. Uh, but she's doing okay uh, under, under the circumstances. Uh, so I just thought to give a little update. So now to the message. Are you under stress at the moment? Has your last year been stressful? Have you had conflict in your family? Uh, have you had health issues plaguing you? Do you feel that you're in a, in a pit of deep commitments and, and responsibilities are crushing you? Uh, I get that, you know, last year was interesting for our family as well. Uh, or maybe you aren't under severe stress, but you're needing clear direction for the new year. You're wanting to know what to do in an area of your life. Uh, clear direction. Well, Jesus was a person who was both under severe stress during pretty much all of his ministry time. He had people out there who were trying to kill him. And he was also abandoned by his friends and betrayed by one. And on the other hand, he also had these huge crowds following him, uh, even in remote places, making constant demands on him. These crowds, on the whole, weren't interested in becoming disciples of Jesus. I would describe them as Jesus groupies. You know, Jesus was not a rock star. There was lots of miracles and healings and stuff like that going on. He was multiplying the bread. You know, nothing else to do on on Netflix back in the day. So off they would go to trundle these large crowds to see what Jesus was up to. And they were constantly putting demands on Jesus. They wanted to be in the front row seat to a miracle healing. I mean, who wouldn't want to be doing that front row seat, seeing Jesus doing a miracle? So they were friends of convenience of Jesus. And so often from before dawn to after dark, there was this huge level of stress And uh, there were these enemies, and you get to see these questions that were coming in from the Pharisees and Sadducees and Herodians, trying to get him to foot trip up to kill him. And this massive pressure. And on top of that, the gospel writers are very clear that Jesus knew where this journey was going to end. Luke's gospel has this refrain that Jesus was set on his way to Jerusalem. Actually, Jesus wasn't on a three-year walk to Jerusalem. It doesn't take that long to walk to Jerusalem when you're in Israel. But his heart and his thing was heading to the climactic events of the resurrection and the events that would take place before his death, uh, his, his betrayal, uh, and his torture. And so that was on Jesus' mind as well. So in the midst of this sort of pressure cooker situation, uh, Jesus was also having to make big calls. Who was going to be his 12 apostles? Uh, decisions about where to go. There was a lot of big stuff that was going on. And so here's a question. How did Jesus of Nazareth, fully human, fully God, uh, how did he have the coping mechanisms to not just survive in the midst of that severe stress, but to thrive? 
Right? Now, I suspect there's actually, he had a lot of, of coping mechanisms. Some of them may not even be recorded in by Scripture as possible. But we do know that some were recorded in Scripture about what Jesus was doing. And they're recorded for a reason, for you and for me to take on. And one of them that you see a constant refrain through the Scripture was that Jesus would have ways of going and finding a sort of a quiet place free from any distractions where he would connect with his Father. It was the power of simply spending time in God's presence. Right? Now, there may be a person here this morning who says, well, I don't have time. I'm far too busy to spend time with God. Right? Don't do that. Because you only have one life, and may I suggest there is really good... If you love Jesus, and you've encountered him, then having intentional, specific times of prayer and Bible reading... I'm not trying to guilt you and make you feel guilty if you haven't been doing that, by the way. That's not the intention. But actually prioritizing this has, and making it a discipline in your life, has significant blessings for you. So let's first have a look at what was going on in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 14, what the context was. And then we're going to look at three reasons why Jesus did what he did. So that's what we're going to do this morning. So Matthew 14 begins with Jesus' best friend, his cousin, and the one who was paving the way, John the Baptist, being executed. Uh, John the Baptist was speaking truth to power. And back in the day when you spoke truth to power, power would kill you. So that's what happened to John, John the Baptist. He was executed because he was uh, saying, he was calling out the king's sexual immorality. And, uh, and today you can get cancelled if you do things like that. Well, back in the day, they, 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 they cancelled John's head. And so that's what happened to him. And as soon as that news reached Jesus, right, you see that he arrives, Jesus actually, the first thing he wants to do is automatically head up to a place and be alone. As soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. So why was Jesus doing that? Right, I suspect it was for him to actually get a bit of processing. Right, so, so Jesus wanted to head away to a remote area. That's what's happening. And then the crowds heard where he was headed, and they followed him on foot from many towns. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. So what was going on there was that Jesus, the first thing he wanted to do was to head off and get some personal space. But then suddenly the crowds followed him. Who, who can remember the days? I've got, my kids are adults, but who can remember having young kids? And when you're a mum and a dad and you want to get away just to have a bit of quiet time, a bit of romantic time maybe. I remember the things, and, and, we'd, and Catherine and I would go away and we'd try and do this. And then what would the young kids of the family try and do? Follow you. Or that would be the time that a fight would break out. Mom, Dad! And that one of the siblings has done this. Who's had those moments? Uh, and then so you suddenly you want to have this nice time to process something or have things, and then the crowds follow. Well, that was Jesus. Jesus was processing the death of his friend, and he was able to actually do that in the media because the crowds followed him. And so then he actually, what you notice is that he, uh, he, he actually doesn't get angry with the crowds. He doesn't dismiss them. He actually heals them. He gives some teaching in one of the other Gospels' version. Uh, he heals the sick and he feeds the 5,000. He does a whole bunch of things that's pretty cool. And then after that, it's not that Jesus doesn't have boundaries. Then you get to see immediately after this, Jesus insisted. This is Jesus putting a boundary down. All right, office closed, guys. This is it. No more healings today. Come back, check out Jesus' ministry at 9 a.m. tomorrow morning. And you guys are here on out. And yes, you two disciples, clear on out. I'm saying, and it's insisted. And then he dismisses the crowds. And after sending them home, he went up on the hills by himself to pray. 
right? So that is the time he's starting to process what happened with John the Baptist and all the other things that are going on. Do you see the narrative? Are you with me? All right. So this is, that's what he was doing. Now the next question was, why was Jesus doing that? Why did Jesus do that? All right, we're just looking at the text here. All right, first... It was spending time with God puts things in perspective. The context there in Matthew 14 is John's friend being, ba- being killed, John Baptist being killed. And so instantly what Jesus' response to that was to try and process that. Uh, in my ministry, this has uh, been some of my faults, is that sometimes I can be impulsive, uh, you know, my quick speaking um, you know, and all the things like that, and instantly I can react to something rather than go away and process something. Who's done that, reacted to something without processing first? Did it work out well for you? Didn't work out well for me either. Yeah, we, 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 we could share stories. All right, but that's what Jesus was doing. The first thing happened, you know, actually, one of the things I've noticed with really blessed with Jason is Jason is much more deliberate than me. So he, he, he's, he's a little more slow me down, let's think about that, more than me. And that, that's, he's following what Jesus does, all right, taking time to, to process it, right? And so, uh, I, but Jesus, he wasn't, but of course, we know that Jesus couldn't have time because the crowds followed him, right? So that was the pressure of life. And I, I can certainly relate to that. With my lovely wife, Catherine, when we had gone in and I was expecting to, you know, we'd arrive at the doctors and the doctors would say, well, there's an issue, but we can do this and this and that. We rolled in and there the doctors said, uh, your wife, uh, Catherine's got terminal cancer. There's nothing we can do and she's going to be dead in 12 months. And straight after that, the, what I wanted to do was to run away to my man cave and process that. But do you know what we had on? We had Grace's 21st uh, birthday, and there was a large crowd, and Catherine and I had to turn up and be happy for that. That's challenging. And that's exactly what Jesus had to do. Jesus just had his friend die. He's grieving and processing that loss, and the crowds turn up. And what does Jesus do? He actually reaches into his reserves, and he actually heals the sick. He teaches the gospel, and he feeds the 5,000. Right? But then, after that, he gets away for that night uh, to spend a whole night with the Lord, processing what is happening and praying to his Father in heaven. And, of course, that leads directly to Jesus walking out on the water. I'm not suggesting if you have Bible times you'll be walking on water. But there is, there is, a, there is a power that comes from spending time with the Lord in prayer. So that's what was happening there. He's processing what was going on. May I suggest if you've got things happening in your life or things have happened last year, process it. Go away in the Lord and bring it before the Lord in prayer. It is a, there is a power to do that. And if you don't, you're going to be reacting to what's happening. And may I suggest if you're like me, your reactions will not be pleasing in the Lord's sight and you'll have some apologies or some things to do to make up for it. Spending time with God puts things in perspective. Secondly, I know you guys know this, but stay with me. If you're a Christian, you know, you'll know this is pretty obvious. But even the obvious stuff, like for me, we don't often do. See, spend time with God refuels us. Uh, Jesus says in another part of the gospel, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. In my own life, I've experienced the power of getting away and connecting with God. There's a sense that as I spend time reading his word, Parts of the Bible just jump out at me. Who's had that experience? You feel God speaking to you. And sometimes it's a rebuke. Sometimes it's an encouragement. Sometimes it's an exhortation. And that's often I say, Lord, speak to me about this situation. Reveal to me what's going on in my heart. And so situations with my marriage or my children or a ministry situation is that as I spend time, I get to have that refueling and hearing from God. So... Um, I, I'm a bit, I have to say, I love gadgets. Does anyone else like gadgets? 
All right, well, I love gadgets and, so, and robots. Uh, I've watched robots fight each other on YouTube. I don't think you guys have ever done that, but anyway. I love robots, and so recently to help out with housework, I've got myself a new thing called George. You can name it. It's a robot vacuum cleaner. Who's got a robot? Anyone got a robot vacuum cleaner? Oh, they're amazing. And so George, I just, I, he's connected to my cell phone there, and I just, I just push the button, and George, he's got this radar. So someone in New York probably knows all the mapping of my entire upstairs. I think it's probably up there uh, because you know this information sort of is all connected to the global web. George then just goes, scurries around, and he's amazing. He goes under the bed, he goes everywhere. The cat and him don't always get along, but he scurries around, and then he, he's great. But the problem George is, is he needs to sometimes go back to his recharging base, right? So he scurries back, and if he doesn't recharge, he runs out of energy. And that is the same for us. If you're on holiday and, you're, and you've had a busy year, then you, how you choose to spend the next few days of your break before you go to work will be a significant influence of what's going to happen this year in your life. Be intentional about, and may I suggest, if you're, if you're a Christian and know Jesus, you should be intentionally spending time in prayer and Bible reading, really pushing into what the Lord is saying to prepare you for what's coming this year. Because I didn't know what was going to come in my life, in the last year, I had no idea. And I suggest you don't know what's going to come this year. We don't know what's going to happen with the US elections. That could be fun. Or other global events in the world. All sorts of things could happen in the next year or two. I didn't see the pandemic and the whole crisis of vaccine, vaccinated, unvaccinated. Who saw that being a big issue? I didn't see that as an issue. Uh, and it came. So who knows what is happening this year. Today and this, over this, this, this period of time is a really good time to press into God and to refuel you for what is coming. All right, and then three, being connected to God helps us make the right calls in life. You know, one way to making good decisions this year is to take time to reflect. Right? If you've got choices facing you this year, then actually taking time to think about it. Jesus, but before he had all these disciples following him, but the, before he chose the 12, he spent the night in prayer all the way into the morning. Uh, consistently praying for who the 12 apostles would be. We don't have to muddle through life. Hearing from God about situations in our life gives huge clarity. It's a massive advantage when you know this is the way, walk in it. I remember, and I have mentioned this before, that when I was in Kaikoura and I'd been praying about my life and I felt I heard from the Lord that you're going to go to Geraldine and be ministering here. And I didn't even know exactly where Geraldine is. I'd heard of the town but didn't know where it was. And, and that, but that set the, the tone, and that was well before anything else happened in my life. Knowing from the Lord about his direction in your life. Yes, we can hear wrong, all right? There's, there's always times where I thought God said this and it worked and it didn't. Life can be messy. But nevertheless, in the messiness of my life, I don't want to hear wrong from God because I didn't ask and I didn't seek and I didn't humble my heart before the Lord. So may I suggest there is power in spending time in God's presence. Firstly, it'll put things in perspective. That's what's happening with Jesus. It'll refuel you. This is what Jesus was doing. He was able to minister because he spent time with his father. And we notice with Jesus, when he spent that night in prayer before he picked the 12 apostles, it'll help you make right calls in life. So if you're on holiday at the moment, we've got, I know we've got a good chunk of our congregations currently listening to us, or perhaps will be listening to us if they choose. They might go to other, they might go virtually to other churches online, which is great. Always good to check out other churches. But if they're listening online and you're and you're on break, this is a great time to press into God. If you are on, overseas on holiday here on New Year's and you've got a few days off, make sure you spend some time really praying and seeking the Lord, humbling your heart. It will prepare you 
for what is going to happen in your lives and in this world this year. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you for your word. And Lord, uh, on this, I don't often do, as you know, Lord, uh, uh, topical messages. Just work way through a book. But this morning, this topical message is spending time in, in your presence. I pray and ask that those who are connected to this church here at St. Andrews, that there would be intentional spending time in prayer and Bible reading in your presence, that we would hear from you this year. And Lord, I pray for those who are visiting, those perhaps from overseas or further afield, Christchurch or wherever, as they come and spend time on break, Lord, I pray that you would be speaking to them in their situation. There might be something this morning where your spirit has prompted in their heart. And as they encounter you, Lord, they would receive the blessings that are found by those who seek you out. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.